Hello, and welcome to another episode of the West Connect podcast, where we help uh, make sure that student athletes are successful on and off the field. Today, I'm excited to have a guest who is a fellow lacrosse alum like myself, Corey Aviles. Corey, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Brian. How are you? Yeah, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. Um, if you could maybe start us off with um, the year that you graduated, uh, in addition to lacrosse, um, anything else you were focused on at, at Wesleyan, and maybe a little background about how you got to Wesleyan from growing up uh, on Long Island. Sure thing. So um, a little background on me is I'm from the class of 19. So, you know, freshly graduated straight out of school. And my path to Wesleyan was a little unconventional in the sense I was a student athlete who knew uh, they wanted to participate in college athletics and always knew I wanted to be, you know, part of the lacrosse team and keep that involved as I got older, though I knew I didn't want to pursue it at the, uh, the highest level. So I knew I wasn't a D1 guy, even though, you know, growing up on Long Island, that's kind of the norm. Everyone sets is like graduate high school, Long Island uh, high school lacrosse and, you know, go to a big primetime school and then keep uh, rolling through the ranks. But I knew, you know, off the get go, that's something I didn't want to do. And I knew that lacrosse can only take you so far in life. So after graduating, I knew, you know, my lacrosse career wasn't probably going to be over and I wasn't going to you know, pursue anything uh, professionally outside of that. So I knew why not try to get the best education while still, you know, doing something I love and I'm passionate about. So Wesleyan came on my radar as men's head lacrosse coach, John Reba is a Long Island guy. You know, he saw me at a few camps and stuff over the summer. And to be honest, I was, you know, pretty uneducated about Wesleyan when he, uh, when he started talking to me. And then as I looked into, you know, the academics and the caliber of the school, I was like, hey, wow, like, this is where I want to be. Like, this is, you know, a top tier university where, you know, lacrosse, I can do both lacrosse and, you know, have high academic achievements. So that's why I kind of landed there. And, you know, I got there and made, you know, lifetime friendships and, you know, be able to be in touch with people such as yourself um, within the network, which is also great. And I, I kind of exploit that to the best of my ability and, you know, always trying to reach out and connect with guys in the industry. So. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, I can't, <laughs> we knew each other before. I can't remember if you reached out blindly or some introduced us, but you know, we've known each other for probably two years now and you've always been proactive and in my opinion, thoughtfully persistent about following up. Uh, you were always interested in commercial real estate and you did a, a very good job. I think when you first reached out to me and believe you were still a student of, of doing kind of the informational interview, which we talk a lot about on here, was that, did you learn those soft skills yourself? Did somebody teach you that? How, how did you pick all that up? Because I must admit it, it's unusual for, for somebody who's in school to be that proficient in that space. Sure. So um, I guess uh, one thing a lot of my friends around here and people I meet praise me for is being well-connected. I guess that's a trade I get through, you know, my parents, my dad still hangs out with all of his high school buddies as if they're best friends. I call them all my 
uncles and aunts. And it was always something that was just special to me and unique to my life that, you know, I feel like a lot of people didn't have. And I think that's one thing that he passed on to me. And um, another thing why I guess I'm so persistent in that, you know, category is I like to also beat myself as the guinea pig, as I'm the uh, oldest of two younger brothers. And I've always been setting the example. I think from the get-go, you know, being passed down from you know my dad to me and then for me to set the example it's just like you know stay well connected and just keep being persistent like you know there's a fine line of being persistent and being annoying and i think with networking a lot more people think you know i, I don't want to reach out it's annoying i've reached out once or twice but uh in my eyes it's more about just being relentless and being hey if they promised you they were going to get back to you and you followed up and they they didn't email you back or they didn't call you back. That was probably for a good reason. They had a business meeting or, you know, had a family issue pop up, whatever. And it's not that they're avoiding you. It's just that people are busy. And I feel like a lot of times people get shunned away uh, and believe, you know, I don't want to be persistent. I don't want to follow up on my initial email because I got no response and I don't want to be viewed as annoying. You have to kind of view it as, hey, I got nothing to lose. Um, if he doesn't answer my email for, you know, the third time, perhaps I'll give up on it, but try again, you know, in six months, perhaps, you know, this isn't a good time of year. Um, right now being around Thanksgiving and holidays, uh, along with COVID, I know a lot of people are busy. A lot of people try to close out their books. A lot of people, you know, are having a real tough time trying to uh, find time to speak to recent graduates and undergraduates like myself. But the one thing uh, that I would tell, you know, someone in my shoes a few years ago is, you know, you're not annoying and you have nothing to lose by reaching out, you know, multiple times. I would echo that and really try to reinforce almost having a sales mindset when it comes to professional networking and relationship building, where just because they don't respond or you get a curse email response or on the phone, and they say, hey, I'm really busy right now. Get back to me in 30 days. That's not a no. That's, hey, get back to me in 30 days. But the issue comes up with, I think for a lot of younger people, they internalize that no, or they internalize that that brush off as, well, I'm a bad person, or I shouldn't be, like you said, I shouldn't be bothering this person, where in reality, and, I, and I'll admit, I do this from my own commercial real estate perspective, when I'm looking to hire somebody, and, and this is paramount in my industry, and you can speak to this as well, usually just to see kind of what they're, what they're made of, I will purposely go dark on that person for one or two turns to see if they're going to be following up persistently. If I say, hey, call me back in 45 days, I'm going to see if they actually put a tickler on the calendar for 45 days out because those things really matter in our business you know, that's how you win deals. That's how you find deals. That's how you raise capital is being well-organized, being thoughtfully persistent and following up. Um, those are really important skills to have. So kudos to you for your dad teaching you from day one. Um, can you talk a little bit about maybe what that journey was like from being a student athlete to how you ended up in your position today and, and what you do today? Sure. So, um, Going to Wesleyan, one caveat I knew that was kind of going to hold me back in the long run is I always knew I had a business mindset and 
again, you know, a lot of these bigger institutions have business schools or have some type of strong business affiliation. And I'm not saying Wesleyan, you know, it doesn't have a strong business affiliation. I know, you know, on paper, in, in a recruiter's eyes, if they have someone coming from, you know, a strictly business school trying to enter the world of finance, uh, a lot of people, you know, perceive that you're going to get you know, beat out because you have a degree in the Bachelor of Arts, you went to a liberal arts institution, it's smaller, whatever it might be. Um, so I always knew I wanted to do business, uh, though I didn't know what necessarily, and you know, the kind of gold standard when looking in business is everyone wants, everyone comes to a fork in the road where they, you know, consider like, hey, you know, investment banking is a lucrative position. It's uh, prestigious. Everyone wants to do it, uh, even though, you know, everyone isn't built for it. I, I feel like, you know, me and my friend, a lot of people I've spoke to at one point or another came to a decision and was like, hey, like, do I want to be an investment banker? And obviously, you know, not everyone can be investment bankers. And there's a ton of alternative routes out, outside of that, um, similar to consulting. It's kind of like those gold standard jobs that, you know, if you were to tell someone, it would, they would have kind of the wow effect and be like, oh, okay, like, wow, you're an investment banker, like those type of jobs. But um, I guess when I came in, again, it was super narrow-minded as I didn't know what was out there. And then I didn't really know, you know, how much of the world of finance really entailed. And that's what really led me to commercial real estate as it's similar um, to the banking background, though. I believe it's more tangible. Um, it exploits a lot of the soft skills that I learned at Wesleyan, whether that be you know reading, writing, communication, uh, and just overall being you know a personal guy and being able to speak to these people. Because in the end, when you get hired at these firms, uh, a lot of that is about you know goodness of fit, and it's about hey, do I want to you know roll into the office every day and you know want to work around Corey like. Does Corey, you know, want to, you know, have a good attitude, come in, you know, work hard and, you know, also be a good person outside of that? I know a lot of people get disqualified as candidates because they might have the most, you know, amazing resume on paper, but they, you know, are kind of robotic in their actions and they can't, you know, be a person outside of work, which is, you know, you have to be well-rounded. And I think that's what Wesley, you know, prepared me uh, way better than a lot of institutions out there that perhaps have business schools. So uh, back to the commercial real estate path. Um, I kind of led into it because again, a lot of what I was competing for at Wesleyan, um, you know, not necessarily being a target school for a lot of these huge firms is those firms that would come on campus, you know, everyone in the economics department would, uh, you know, flood into that uh, interview room or the information session and ask the, you know, the similar questions every, you know, information se session, whether it be with, you know, at City, JP Morgan, Barclays, all these big kind of players in the space. And it became a little toxic because it was just like everyone in the room was competing for the same job that only one person could obtain. And again, when I say everyone in the economics, economics department, it was literally like, I would see like half of my, you know, econ 301 class in there along with like four of my buddies on the team and again it would just be a lot of chatter outside the room and gossip on you know who's getting the interview how they did you know where they're going with it and uh in the end i didn't want to compete with those people anymore i i wanted to do something original and i think 
not a lot of Wesleyan alumni, you know, filter into the commercial real estate space, but I think it's a great space to filter into. And uh, ultimately, you know, I got in touch with you along with a handful of Wesleyan alumni um, in the space, you know, I got a sense of for what I wanted to do and eventually landed an internship um, through a Wesleyan alumni at a real estate PE shop in New York City, which was a fantastic experience and ultimately solidified my choice to, you know, pursue uh, commercial real estate as a career path. So I kind of want to rewind the tape and unpack a couple things there. One, you said that you had a sense of what you wanted to do. How did you gain that sense? Was it was it through talking to people like myself who are in the industry and understanding what you did or didn't want to do? Or can you talk a little bit more about that so that people can maybe, you know, replicate that process? Yeah, sure thing. And I think you um, hit the nail on the head as, you know, I was persistent and kept reaching out to various people in various industries. Uh, I would ask, hey, you know, what is it that you do? Um, do you like what you do? And, you know, what do I have to do to get into a position that you're at now? And the one thing that I've learned and the one thing that, you know, I suggest to anyone who um, is starting to roll into these informational interviews is, you know, ask questions. People love talking about themselves. People love, you know, at telling you how their day-to-day -day is because, you know, in reality, other than, you know, crunch numbers and Excel and set a desk, I'm not talking to, you know, a lot of people outside my firm. I mean, I'm talking to a handful of, you know, brokers and lenders and whatnot, but people want to break from that, you know, on their day-to-day -day and they want to be able to talk about something that's different. And um, to be able to talk to something, uh, talk towards something that's different is, you know, perhaps talking about themselves. And I found in a lot of these kind of, you know, introductory interviews or informational interviews is, hey, just get the person talking about themselves. And, you know, they're more than willing to tell you what you need to do, how they did it, and what mistakes not to make. And I guess, you know, when I started searching, uh, the best sense of what I wanted to do was, you know, talking to people like yourself and figuring out like, hey, you know, that's cool, man. Like, I want to do, you know, what Brian does. I want to do what Steve does. I want to do what Karen does. Like, this is what I want to do. And, you know, being in the space for, you know, a little over a year now, I, you know, completely stand behind my decision. So before we get into what you're doing now, can you talk us through step-by-step -step how you landed that internship? You, I think you said it was through a Wesleyan connection. What did that look yep. like? Yep. Um, so again, being on the lacrosse team is huge help because you come in with, you know, 50 plus friends um, immediately. Uh, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not going to put those guys in order because, you know, there's a ton of them and, you know, every year, you know, 10 rolled out, 10 rolled in. But uh, everyone is more than willing to help. So specifically, there was a guy on the team who was a year older than me that pursued the same in, uh, internship the year before uh, his junior year. And then eventually when I got to my junior year, again, I after speaking to people, I knew I wanted to be in the commercial real estate industry. And I knew he got the job through, you know, an alumni. And, you know, through a network, I was able to get in touch with that same alumni. And, you know, a lot of, the introductory interviews you get for internships or whatever it is, um, again, it's based on fit. 
Uh, I know when I went and interviewed at um, this firm in New York, it was called Madison Realty Capital. Uh, and the alumni was Dave Barastani from 06, played soccer again. It was just more of a per personal connection. It was just like, hey, you know, I'm a Wesleyan guy. You're a Wesleyan guy. We both played sports. And, you know, you know, but he knew my day-to-day. -day. He experienced, you know, what I did, but I didn't know anything about his day-to-day. -day. I knew I wanted to be in real estate. I knew you had to be, you know, aggressive, uh, aggressive and ambitious. But in the end, you know, I had no real tangible experience other than being a, a carpenter's apprentice the summer before on you know commercial real estate lending and you know sizing and structuring loans and anything in the space it was more and especially for internships because you don't have a past experience it's more just about fit and it's just i think you know when i was talking to dave he saw in me you know potential to grow and for him to be able to potentially help me out ultimately because you know I wouldn't be where I'm at without the internship and the experiences I had in the past. And it's just all about someone taking a chance on you. And, you know, hopefully more times than not, it's a Wesleyan alumni or someone in the, uh, the industry to, you know, help you get your foot in the door. And then, you know, once you got your foot in the door, you have to just kick it down and just, you know, go gung ho and take it from there. Yeah. And we talk about that a lot when we, throughout these conversations is, is Wesleyan and especially these affinity relationships, right? So you played a sport, maybe the same sport, or you're both Wesleyan athletes. It'll afford you a lot of opportunities, open a lot of doors, but you need to be ready to execute upon those opportunities. You can't just show up, right? Um, it, that doesn't work. And in fact, probably um, is, uh, you know, counterproductive. So kudos to you. I mean, I know you're a hard worker, so I saw that internship, but how did, how did you actually land the job that you have today? Sure. So um, again, upon, you know, graduating my internship and going into my senior year, um, again, it was just kind of straight from the drawing board as the internship I landed was, you know, a highly sought after position in real estate, private equity, where everyone eventually wants to funnel into. So um at the end of my summer, of course, they told me, it was like, hey, Corey, great having you, but like, uh, we can't, you know, wait until you grad, you can't wait until you graduate in May for you to come back. You know, I think real estate um, specifically is very ad hoc in terms of, hey, our deal flow is picking up or you no, know, we need to bring another hand on deck. Um, and in that sense, you know, they hire within that month, um, especially, you know, on the smaller size firms. The big institutional players, such as like banks, insurance companies, or REITs, they'll uh, they they hire classes, you know, in waves. And you know, if you miss that kind of window, or you know, no one takes you within that window, it's kind of you have to find your way, and you know, find your way into a firm, you know, a more in a more non-traditional sense. I know um, outside of real estate, everyone kind of hires undergraduates and pools, but, uh, in my instance, you know, no one was hiring me within a, an analyst pool. It was more, I have to find that, you know, needle in the haystack analyst ad hoc opportunity and, you know, capitalize on it. So all throughout senior year, again, I was on the phone talking to, uh, alumni, you know, I always had alumni put me uh, connection with people outside of the Wesleyan network. I think that's a huge one is I always ended my phone calls with 
Hey, thanks, Brian, for talking. You know, if there's anyone in the industry that you can put me in touch with, I would, you know, greatly appreciate it. And then a lot of times these people who are like, hey, yeah, I think you should talk to this guy on the brokerage side, even though brokerage isn't what I wanted to do. It's, you know, another branch on my tree. And it was someone that potentially could put me in touch with another three people. And that's what you have to kind of do. And you have to build your branches out. So throughout senior year, I had a really tough time of landing a job. Um, you know, upon graduating, I know a lot of my friends around me, you know, had jobs locked up because they were part of those analysts, you know, uh, training programs where they got hired in pools. So all throughout senior year, I was being disqualified because I was a senior. I didn't graduate yet. No one was willing to, you know, wait for me to graduate. So now comes, you know, after senior year, it's summertime, everyone's, you know, uh, traveling the world, vacationing, you know, enjoying summer. And here I am, you know, it's still chomping at the bit, you know, now in prime time to be qualified, there's no, you know, hurdle I have to jump in terms of graduation or whatever. I'm still chomping at the bit, still, you know, talking to people. And I think one thing that really helped me was like following up with those connections I made in the past, whether it be from the year before or, you know, earlier in the year and be like, Hey, got like right upon graduation, I, I think I reached out to basically everyone in my network again. Hey guys, you know, I'm uh, Corey here, just graduated from Wesleyan, um, still looking for a job. And a, a lot, I think a lot of people, you know, um, discount like, hey, I talked to Brian one time and like hopefully he'll remember me. And, you know, everyone says you get a job through your network, but, you know, you also have to be persistent and stay in front of that person. And, you know, throughout um, the beginning of senior year to the end of senior year, again, I had to put myself in front of these people. So I was like, hey, you know, I graduated. I'm still, you know, hungry, ambitious and I want a job. Like, do you have any advice for me? And, you know, a lot of people came back was like, hey, Corey, let's chat again. And even though nothing came into fruition from it, I was in front of those people. Their names, my name was in their head. And if something was was to pop up, um, hopefully, you know, they would have thought of me. So. It eventually got to the point where, you know, one uh, Wesleyan lacrosse alumni class of 14 um, was a mutual connection at a job I applied on LinkedIn. And I reached out to him. I was like, hey, do you know anyone at this firm? I just applied. Can you help me out? And he was like, you know, I actually do. Um, I know the managing director and the uh, HR director. Let me, you know, shoot shoot them a soft introductory email. And uh hopefully I can get you an interview over there. And sure enough, you know, he did. And I interviewed with the firm and within that day after I uh, trained all the way from Long Island to New York and on the train ride back, the director called me and uh, told me like, Hey, Corey, we'd love to have you. And it was, uh, it was one of those things that like, because I've never been in that situation, I didn't know if I was to accept a job right away or leverage it, or whatever, as you know, a lot of people, um, that I went to school with, you know, as they were getting hired in those kind of rotational analyst programs or pools, they also, they usually had, you know, multiple jobs to, to lever and be like, Hey, I have an offer here and I have an offer here. Uh, but at this instance, I was like, I knew I was taking the job. I just felt weird, you know, taking it the same day. And uh, that's how I landed my, my job in commercial real estate um, at townhouse partners. So how many, if you could estimate, how many phone calls, how many meetings, how many times did you reach out? I mean, could you, could you ballpark it from when you started grinding 
and networking to when you landed that gig while you're on the train back home? Sure. Um, I want to say at least 300, you know, plus phone calls. And I would say 500 ish applications, you know, some are, you know, a lot softer than others and innocent. And when I say that, it's like, Hey, I don't have any real leads here. I don't think this is going to go anywhere, but I'm still going to throw my name into the hat. Just, you know, apply through an aimless link online. Um, but I do actually have, I had a, one um, alumni told me, you know, keep a spreadsheet of all of those companies you applied for and all of those people you talked to phone on the phone with. So I have, and um, if I had it in front of me, I, w- I would have their, you know, first name, last name, place where they worked, their phone number and their email address. And I, I know how I had, you know, a hundred plus contacts on that list. And based on the premise, I reached out to those contacts, you know, more than three times each puts me, you know, right at 300. And I think I'm kind of, you know, maybe downplaying that. Yeah. But, but that's the real sense of the scale, right? I mean, that's, that's the denominator that you're working with. And and I think you probably reached out to me three or four times if I had to guess probably every three or six months. Um, And you were really good about it. And I want to echo something else you said, which is applicable to other industries as well, but especially in commercial real estate, it's, you said ad hoc in terms of hiring. Uh, I would call it more schizophrenic. When you have a firm like mine, that's not very big. It is very much, you lose a deal or you do a deal and that will dictate whether or not you're growing the, the team. And in our business, it, it, it can be very difficult to know whether or not that deal is going to happen. And you live, you kind of live and breathe by those things. So unless you're staying top of mind uh, with me every 30, 60, 90 days, um, we don't just hire in the spring or hire in the fall or have, we don't have a summer internship program. So if you really want to be in that business, you need to be constantly updating people on what they're doing or what you're doing, because that's how most of the time these jobs land is, yeah, actually, we just closed this deal. We need a new asset manager. Corey just called me, but let's kind of take this to the next level and, and go from there. And, and that's, I think, really important for people to understand that it's not against you personally. It's not kind of this vindictive thing of they're unorganized. It's, you know, overhead allows what it allows. And in a transactional business like ours, it can be very hard to predict. Um what's going to look like next year, et cetera. So, um, and then I really like your, your analogy of a branch on a tree. And I tell people this all the time. If you have a phone call with somebody or you get a meeting with somebody and it's a good meeting and it's a good call, you need to get three introductions from that person or three contacts that you can, ref- that you can reference their name to. Because if you do that and you're consistent, obviously things multiply from there and they grow exponentially but that's how you go from three you know lacrosse alums that you talk to to a hundred is is by pushing that introduction referral the rule of three i'm a huge believer in it so kudos to you um while we're kind of finishing out here could you give people a sense of what your day-to-day job looks like what you do if, if if they're a freshman and maybe they don't have any experience in the commercial real estate space um, talk a little bit about where you work within that spectrum. Sure thing. Um, so the company I work for is called Townhouse Partners. Um, they're a third-party vendor. Um, 
So what that means is within the commercial real estate you know, realm, uh, they don't buy, they don't own, they don't sell. Te- technically, by definition, I'm a consultant. And all of the you know, loans and analysis I do is on the behalf of different firms. So I have, you know, as any other consultant clients, I work with those clients, you know, day to day, besides their analysts, um, VPs and directors to, you know, string up um, various, you know, deal necessities, whether it be sizing loans, structuring loans, um, ripping through lease abstracts and helping to string up a model. Um, so I, you know, have probably three or four clients I work with um, daily and I see, you know, a variety of deal flow ranging through all asset classes, which I think is super cool. Um, and I would kind of position my job right now, similar to, you know, someone who works in brokerage and, you know, it's seeing a high amount of deal flow getting a lot of different experiences in a lot of different areas and um, being able to, you know, leverage something you did on the asset management side and bring it into, you know, structuring or uh, the lending side. And I think uh, in terms of, you know, a place to start out in the industry, um, I think I'm in, you know, a fantastic one. It's definitely not something I'm going to be doing my whole entire life. But, uh, you know, people have told me is, you know, once you get a job, it's easier to uh, get another job. I mean, coming out from college and getting your first job is probably the hardest one. But, uh, you know, now that I'm here, I'll probably, you know, wind up transitioning. Uh, I believe I want to be on the debt side and, you know, uh, work for a lender as, you know, I've experienced a lot of things. I don't think someone my age does uh, in a position as an analyst at a, uh, an institution or a life lender or whatever it is, but it's definitely, you know, it's shown me what I like in the industry and what I don't like. And uh, again, I think that's similar to the broker gen where, you know, perhaps you're not, you know, the one who's running the deal and you're not, you know, on the principal side and you're not taking the risk. You're just, you know, trying to get deals in and out the door and doing that, you, you not know, see a lot and you learn a lot in a short time frame. Yeah, I actually interviewed. Uh, I assume you know Chris Mead and Matt Wheeler. Um, yeah. So they're they're my era, good friends of mine. I interviewed them yesterday for the show, and we talked a lot about you know, especially within the athlete community, there can be a ton of pressure um, internally that your first job is going to be what you do for the next forty years, and yeah, increasingly even more so now. I think in in a in a COVID world you're going to probably pivot every couple of years on a minimum. So take the opportunity when you're in your twenties to try on some different, you know, skins and see how they feel, go out there, um, you know, see if you want to do uh, various things within the industry that, that you're focused on and don't be afraid to say, Hey, this isn't my cup of tea. I want to move on to something else because that's a great, you know, you've got five, 10 years where you can figure out what you don't want to do. And I can tell you, you know, on the wrong side of 35, knowing what you don't want to do is much more important than knowing what you, what you do want to do, because um, we only have so much time and uh, it's not worth it to do something where you're miserable. So good for you. And I know you right. do well. And uh, I also think it's important to note, um, at least in the real estate industry, I know 
uh, analysts are viewed as entry-level positions. But uh, one huge caveat that I had when I was applying is um, upon, you know, an analyst qualification for a lot of these jobs, it was, you know, one to three years, two to five years, you know, for an analyst position. And for me to, you know, be able to break in and actually do what I really want to do, you know, down the road, I need to just get my foot in the door now. And, you know, I'm building that, you know, one year now going on to two years. And then, you know, with that two years, I'll be, I'll just break through the barrier and be able to be, you know, considered for jobs with that experience, even though they're viewed as, you know, entry level positions. And I guess it's a little, you know, odd in real estate. I'm not entirely sure, you know, outside of uh, the real estate world, but I was definitely, you know, a reason why, you know, wherever I got in, I took it because, you know, ultimately it's just opening more doors for me down the road. Right. And, and another important part of that, once you land the job, the networking doesn't start. It's actually just beginning. And your professional relationship building is only going to go to the next level because you never know where your next job is going to be. You never know who your next business partner is going to be. You never know who the coffee meeting is going to turn into an idea that you start something with somebody else. And I think it can be, especially as a, somebody who lived through 08, don't just shut it down after you get that gig. It's important to work hard and you need to do that, but you also need to make sure you're maintaining that network constantly because you never know when the, something's going to happen to the firm. You have a change of, of, of life um, event and what happens is when, when those things occur, you pick up the phone or you go on LinkedIn and you realize, man, I haven't talked to Brian in five years. I need to reestablish this. I can't just call him up and say, hey, I need some help because you've gone dark on him. And that's really important to remember that you need to always be intentional about putting aside the time to continue to build those relationships because you never know when they're going to come in handy. And then, and I'm sure you're gonna be really good about this continue to pay it forward, right? So if, if you're a, a student at Wesleyan right now and you're listening to this and you're at all interested in commercial real estate or you just want to hear more about Corey's story, I'm sure he'd be really comfortable with you reaching out. And I would assume that that you're already doing this with, with current graduates or um, kids who are in school. Yeah, most definitely. I think, um, you know, a lot of things are overlooked at, you know, people who just graduated, um, especially from an undergraduate perspective, because they're like, you know, they're an analyst, they're not an MD or, you know, a VP at their firm. So, you know, what pull do they have? But, um, you know, I know, you know, on my team, my firm is 20 people. I have, I, I, report up to one director. I, I think, you know, my say is, you know, pretty important. Plus, again, I just mentioned that I know all these people because I was just in your shoes, you know, a few years ago. And it's not just because I graduated that, you know, that all dissipates. I, again, I stay in front of people. And I think, you know, reaching out to the, the youngest people is the most valuable thing because they can point you in the right direction and put you in touch with the people that will help you the most, uh, depending on what you're looking to do. Yeah. I mean, obviously you have to get there from a trust factor, but could you imagine if you're a junior uh, at Wesleyan right now and you want to be in commercial real estate 
and you want to be in the New York metro area, to be able to have Corey share his 100-person contact Excel sheet with you, that would save you a lot of time. Um, so, you know, there, there are resources out there, but you, you have to pick up the phone and make the call. Um, so while we're kind of winding it up here, any kind of big piece of advice that you would give to yourself maybe when you were a freshman about how to position yourself well to transition to this professional career? Uh, yeah, sure. So as I already mentioned, it's uh, definitely staying persistent. If I was able to, you know, spread out my networking and spread it out, you know, before I started looking for an internship in junior year, most definitely would. Again, you know, there's no one, you know, too big to speak to. I email CEOs of companies, uh, try to, you know, anywhere I could get in touch with them. I, uh, my line often is I'll talk to anyone under the sun. It's just like, if you're willing to hop on the phone with me, like I'll talk to you. And um, I guess one piece of advice I would have, you know, as I um, move throughout the years at Wesleyan is I wish I considered, you know, having really, really good grades. So I graduated Wesleyan with, you know, a, a good GPA, um, but I was right under the three, five threshold, a lot of these, you know, bigger firms and institutions like to recruit from and, you know, weed people out of. So I know in the investment banking world, which again, I mentioned, it's, you know, at the thing, everyone, you know, it comes to the fork in the road. And it's like, do I want to do this? Um, it, it's like three, eight, three, nine, uh, typically it's over, you know, five Oh, uh, everyone says if your GPA is, you know, over 3.0, uh, it's good, which, you know, it is, I don't discount anyone, you know, GPA, uh, with a 3.1 GPA, but I think, uh, in my earlier years of Wesleyan, if I took more of a focus on, you know, trying to achieve really, really good grades, uh, rather than just, you know, good, like good grades, middle of the pack grades that, you know, will get me by, um, I would have done so. And I think I would have leveraged my network of the lacrosse team to take, you know, classes that you know perhaps i wouldn't say are easier but more you know it's suited and fitted towards you know me achieving that next step um i know you know i've taken classes in the past where my professor was perceived as harder or whatever it was um that ultimately you know put me one down tick in the grading scale and i look back on that and i tell myself hey if i could have taken the other class or you know somehow scheduled my courses to be able to, you know, take this one professor, perhaps I would, you know, boost myself into that, you know, over 3.5 GPA. I was, I was sitting right at a 3.4, which was, you know, fine, but uh, it disqualified me for some of the, uh, the opportunities I wanted to look at further down the road. And I'm not saying I can't go work at those firms now because I have experience. And as soon as you get that, kind of job, uh, that first job, everything, you know, an undergraduate gets thrown out the window, but initially it was, uh, it was a little frustrating. Yeah. So I'm not going to advocate for, uh, professor picking, but I would say leverage the institutional knowledge that you have at your fingertips and call some older, um, recent graduates and, and maybe get, uh, some advice from them. Um, we'll put it that way. <laughs> Corey, uh, thank you for the time. This has been tremendous. Um, I know you're busy 
And like I said, you have been, and one of the reasons I, I reached out to you directly when we launched this uh, show or podcast, whatever we're calling it, was because you were really uh, exemplary in relationship building, networking, following up. So hopefully, you know, we can lessen the learning curve or other people who are listening. And I assume it's okay if people reach out to you on LinkedIn or if they want to talk to you a little bit about your journey, are you open to that? Yeah, most definitely. Um, just because, you know, I would love to pay it forward as for all those people I've talked to in the past, um, I'm more than willing to, you know, share that information and pass it on to the next generation. Great. Thank you, Corey. Really appreciate it. Take care. Thanks, Brian. Talk soon.